is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? I want to talk about our greatest need and God's greatest gift. What is our greatest need? Well, whether you know it or not, it is forgiveness. And what is God's greatest gift? It is the ability to forgive us. It's a beautiful picture that God would meet of all of our needs that we have, and believe me, we have many needs, but of all the needs that we have, the greatest is the need for forgiveness, that God would supply our greatest need. You see, the human condition is that man needs forgiveness. You may not even know, realize what your real problem is. You may not realize why you struggle, why you hurt, why you lash out at others, why you are unhappy, why you are tormented. You need to be forgiven. You know, there's a thing called OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And it's, it's you know, basically we have about 70,000 thoughts a day. Uh, some positive, a lot of them can be negative. And, you know, really it comes down to an issue. Uh, your mind is in control. You're not in control of your mind, but your mind is controlling you. Uh, and that can be a real problem. And you cannot just let go of mistakes that you've made. Maybe 20 years ago you made a mistake and you obsess over it. I remember one time I was pulling a trailer in the work that I do. We do masonry work and it had like four big baskets of rock on it and, and I hit a bump and a rock fell off the trailer even though it has side, sides on it and the rocks were in basket. But that rock bounced and I saw it in my mirror. It bounced up, went about that high, across the high uh, up across the highway and it really scared me to death because I thought, you know, nothing was coming, but I thought, you know, if there had been a motorcycle coming, if there had been a car coming, if that big rock would have went through someone's windshield, it could have killed somebody. Well, you know, people have stuff like this that has happened to them where they've made mistakes, you know, and, 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 and they, they can't get past it. And your OCD, your uh, obsessive compulsive disorder will not let you stop thinking about it. You know, and the question is why? Why would this, why would we be tormented by intrusive thoughts? Well, often the answer is because you need forgiveness. You need forgiveness. Now, here's the thing. Other people may or may not forgive you. You know, if, they, if you ask for forgiveness and they forgive you, that's great. But some people are not willing to forgive you. And that's their problem. Notice what Matthew 6 and verse 14 says. For if you, for if you, Forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. So if they will not forgive, that is, to a large degree, that is their problem. So in order to be forgiven, we must be willing to forgive others. That's the way it works. But you know, as important as other people forgiving us, as important as that is, there's something more important, and that is forgiveness from the one that created you. To have the slate wiped clean, to know that you are forgiven 
of all the silly, the stupid, the sinful things that you have done, the things that you feel guilty about, that you are totally forgiven. It's a powerful concept. It really is. Romans 3 and verse 25 reading from the New Living Translation. It says, For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. So how can we be forgiven? How can we be forgiven? Well, you know, the process is not really complicated. I think, first of all, you have to have a calling from God. I think God has to work first. I think God has to convict of sin. I think God has to draw a person to him. It takes, and it's a, it takes a, well, I want to say a small miracle, but it's really a big miracle for God to get your attention. Okay, God has to call you. But once you are called, then you have to repent of your sins. Now, sin is the breaking of God's law. 1 John 3, 4, sin is the transgression of God's law. That is the breaking of the Ten Commandments. And once you repent and accept Christ as your personal Savior, realizing that if you were the only person who ever lived on earth, Christ would still have died for you. You personally. It's a personal thing. You know, it's a personal relationship with God. Christ would have died for me. And then once you, you've repented of your sin, you go down in the waters of baptism, which represents the burial of the old man, and you come up out of that water and, and a minister will lay his hands on your head for the receiving of God's Holy Spirit. And you know, it's, I say it's simple. It's simple compared to the hell of living under the guilt of unforgiveness and self-condemnation. Yeah, it really is simple compared to that. The human condition is that man needs forgiveness. Without forgiveness, our lives are meaningless. They are without hope, without joy, without peace. They are guilt-ridden lives. Romans 3 and verse 19 says, Now we know that what things soever the law says, it says to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. You see, the role of the law is important. The role of the law is to convict you of your wrongdoing, to convict you of your sins. In that sense, the law drives us to, for our need, our need to have the grace of Christ Jesus in our life. That's the role of the law, to lead us into, because we feel bad, we feel guilty, but you see, once you've been convicted by sin, of sin by the law, you need grace. Okay, you need God's grace. And John 1 and verse 17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now I want to look at an example of grace and what you may very well need. John 8 and verse 3 says this, And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the mist, now, just a side note, I can't figure out why they didn't bring the man, but I thought it took two, but uh, anyway, that's another story. They said, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Now, what was he writing? Was he writing, was he connecting up names? You know, Martha and John, people maybe who, have, who had done the same thing, who had committed adultery. Maybe he was connecting up names. I don't know. 
So when they continue asking him, he lifted up himself and said to them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And that's interesting. He wrote on the ground again. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. So maybe they looked at what Jesus was writing and were deeply convicted of their own sins. I don't know. But when Jesus had lifted himself up and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are your accusers? Have no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You know, sometimes what we need to hear from Jesus is neither do I condemn thee. I mean, it's interesting that came first, you know. He didn't say first go and sin no more. He said, neither do I condemn thee. I'm not condemning you for your mistakes. I'm not condemning you because you've slipped up again. Sure, I want you to be an overcomer, but I'm not, I do not condemn you. There is grace. That's what we need to hear, you know. You have to give people hope. We have to move past guilt and condemnation. You see, when we go through hard times, it's easy to believe that God is judging us for our past sin. Yeah, that's a trap that we can all fall into. You know, we can say, well, I, I should have tried harder. I, I didn't repent deep enough. Uh, I, have could, I could have done better. Uh, I have not been the overcomer that I should have been. And we really get to beating ourselves up big time thinking that God is out to get us because we're going through hard times. So I want to look at what the Bible says about forgiveness. Well, first of all, will God forgive me? Will God forgive you? Listen, God can forgive you of every sin that you have ever committed. With God, all things are possible. Let's take a look at Psalms 103 and verse 8. Let's look at the nature of God, the nature of God. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. And isn't that a wonderful, generous God? He hasn't dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. He's not a spiteful God. He's not a petty God. He's not a God that says, I'm out to get you because you sinned. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. You see, often what we think is because I sinned, I didn't fear God enough. And then, of course, that may be true. But, and we can go into a spiral of guilt and condemnation. You know, I didn't try hard. I didn't repent deep enough. I could have done better. I've not been the overcomer that I should. But you see, God is not out to get you. You got to understand that the hard times you are going through does not mean God is upset with you. Psalms 103 and verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. In other words, God understands what we're made of. And he's not that impressed with what he knows that we are weak. He knows that we are frail. He knows that we are tempted and that we will make mistakes and that we will fall short from time to time. 
Psalms 103 and verse 12, again, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So the question is this, why are we remembering what God has forgotten? Why do we remember what God, God says, as far as the east is from the west, I'll remove, I have forgiven you. But we keep bringing it up. We keep remembering what God has forgotten. You know, 1 John 1 and verse 8 says this, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and the Word is not in us. If we confess our sins, yeah, confess your sins. Admit it. Freely admit to God. So, if we freely admit, if we freely confess our sins, God will punish us. No, it doesn't say that. If we freely confess our sins, God will be angry. God will be mad at us. No, it doesn't say that. You see, when we admit to God, I have sinned, it makes God happy, not sad. I mean, there's a verse in the Bible that says that when a sinner repents, the angels are rejoicing in heaven. You know, they're having a party in heaven when you repent of your sin. When you say, God, I am sorry for the stupid thing that I just did. Now, you know, we don't have to bribe God. We don't have to, we don't have to say, well, God, if you forgive me, I'll do a good work for you. I'll, I'll get busy and I'll give to charitable organizations. I'll tithe. I'll give so much of my money. I'll do it. We don't have to bribe God. We don't have to bargain with God. You know, Lord, I'll never do that again. You ever done that? You know, you ever said to God, I'll never do that again. And God says, yeah, right. You know, we don't have to beg. We don't have to beg for forgiveness. Romans 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, what does forgiveness do? Well, it totally clears the past, which is a beautiful thing. So why do we ask over and over for forgiveness for the same sin? You know, Sometimes we're not convinced. I've asked over and over for God to forgive me, but I don't feel like God has forgiven me. You know, it doesn't matter what you feel like. What matters is what Christ has done. You see, your emotions have to be weighed against the truth of the Bible and what God says about, for forgiveness, about forgiveness. And that's what I'm trying to do is tell you what God says about forgiveness here. You can't just go by your emotions because often our emotions, we can't trust our emotions. We can't trust our emotions as far as we can spit. You know, it's just we, we can't trust them the way I feel. Okay? You see, most of our self-talk is negative. Now, let, me, let me illustrate this. If something positive happens, you know, you know someone compliments you. Someone uh, does something kind to you. You know, uh, you get a word of encouragement. If something positive happens, we recognize it, but we don't dwell on it. We just sort of, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I appreciate that. And then it's gone. It's the negative stuff that we dwell on, you see. Now, I, what I'm revealing to you is a problem. It's a very real problem. It's the negative stuff that we, it's the negative stuff that we keep dwelling and dwelling and dwelling and dwelling and dwelling on. Now, why is that? Why do we let the positive things, that good compliment, that good thing that someone said about you, why do we just let that go? We acknowledge it, but we let it go very quickly. But it's the negative stuff that we're always focusing on. Why? Why is that? We've got that in reverse, you know. We, we need to change the way we think 
in that area. In fact, Philippians 4 and verse 8 says this. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So we have to change the way that we're, we're thinking. We have to ask ourselves, why do we dwell on the negative things so often and for so long? And why are the positive things that people say to us so short-lived? You really need to search that and answer that question for yourself. So, you know, I, I, think, about, I think about the thief on the cross. And, you know, one of the things that the thief on the cross tells me is that it's never too late to start over. It's never too late. You know, sometimes we think, well, I'm too old and I've gone too far and I've gone too far down this road. You know, it's never too late to start over. When we ask, you know, over and over for forgiveness, in a way we're saying, well, God, I don't trust that you have forgiven me. And I think the real problem is we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. I think that's the real issue. We have a hard time forgiving ourselves. And often it, it's, it's a false guilt from, straight from the pit of hell. It's, it's the accuser of the brethren, which is Satan the devil, who accuses us day and night. You see, before we commit a sin, Satan minimizes it. He says, oh, that's, uh, you might as well go ahead and do that. That's no big deal. That's just a little sin. The moment we commit the sin, he maximizes it, you see. This is a little game that he plays. He maximizes, once you commit the sin, he maximizes it. And he says, you'll never have the blessing of God. God has given up on you. You cannot forgive, God cannot forgive you again. See, that's the game that he plays. Okay, before he minimizes it, he says, oh, sin is not a big deal. Not, might as well go ahead and do it. Everybody's doing it. And then once we, once we commit the sin, he maximizes us and gives us guilt and condemnation. So have you been haunted by secret sin? There is forgiveness. God can set you free. Psalms 130 and verse 3. If thou, Lord, should mark iniquity, O Lord, who shall stand? You know what if God marked our sins? Made a record. Everyone, you know, mark, mark, mark. That's, that's not the way that God works. You see, the weight of sin and unforgiveness, that we, the burden that we sometimes carry, all of it can be forgiven. Psalms 130 and verse 4. But there is forgiveness with thee that you may be feared. This is why you are worshipped. You know, forgiveness and a new day. And the next time you need forgiveness, do this right here. Say this verse right here. Romans 4 and verse 7. Saying, blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and, the, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So God says, look, I don't hold that against you. God's not up in heaven counting all of your sins and keeping a record of every sin that you committed and holding them against him. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. You know, Philippians 1 verse 6 says, says this, is being, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, that's a promise. If God has called you and you working in your life, he's going to perform it until the day 
of Jesus Christ or until the day that you die. He's going to complete that good work. And the most significant part of this scripture is that he would do it. It's a promise that God gives us, an absolute promise. So I want to go through, I think, four or five points here about forgiveness. Number one, God forgives immediately. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to wait. How long should a believer feel guilty about sin? Probably about 10 seconds. However long it takes to say, Father, forgive me, I have sinned. You know, there's a myth out there that says, feeling guilty makes me a better person. I don't think it does. I, I think carrying that guilt and condemnation, condemnation is not from God. You know, it, it really is that, that constant condemning oneself for mistakes. That is not from God. That is from the satanic side. That is from the accuser of the brethren who accuses them, you know, day and night. That's where that's coming from. So you want to be aware of, of the guilt and the condemnation that you're living under and ask yourself, have I understood that God forgives me immediately, freely? Number two, God forgives completely. When Jesus died for your sins, which one did he, did, he, did he include? Well, he included all of them is the answer to that. You see, the problem is this. If we don't completely understand forgiveness, if we don't understand it, every time something bad happens in your life, you're going to think God is out punishing me for what I did. God is punishing me, punishing me for my past sins. That's what you're going to think if you don't understand forgiveness. Someone put it this way. How long do you remember how long do you remember a paid bill? Well, you don't remember a paid bill. It's been paid for. It's been, again, it's been paid for. It's been forgiven. And you don't need to remember it. Number three, God forgives repeatedly. Have you ever committed the same sin more than once? Well, that's a silly question. We all have. Sometimes we're embarrassed to ask for forgiveness. You know, I just committed that sin last week, or I just committed that yesterday. I just did it again today. I did it twice today. Whatever it may be. God does not get bored with our confession. He doesn't get bored with it. In fact, he welcomes our confession. Hebrews 7 and verse 25 Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for us. Number four, God forgives freely. You don't earn it. It's by God's grace. You see, because we are human, forgiveness is our greatest need. Because Christ died for you, forgiveness is his greatest gift. It's his greatest gift. You know, and they work in harmony with one another. So I want to conclude with Hebrews 4 and verse 15. It tells us something about our high priest, Jesus Christ. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. Yeah, he knows what you're going through. He knows the temptation. He was tempted in all areas. Well, this says, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So there's not an area that Christ didn't go through. I mean, you think about areas such as uh, some of the torment that he went through when he asked that God would take this thing away from him. Uh, you know, he, he knows what it's like to go through that kind of mental torment. All right. There, he was tempted in all areas like we are yet without sin. So since that's the truth, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need.
Man, that's a powerful statement when it comes to forgiveness. God says, look, I want you to come boldly with your head held high, you know, boldly to the throne of grace because it's what you need. It's my greatest gift to you. It's the greatest thing that we need is forgiveness. And I want you to come boldly before the throne of grace so that you can be forgiven and the slate can be washed clean, forgiven, out of mind, out of sight. You don't have to worry about that anymore. We have a high priest that is willing, ready to forgive us on a continuous basis. And that's what's really in your Bible. Many people spend their whole life repeating the same old mistakes. What does it take to have good discernment and good judgment? It takes having the Spirit of God. But what many people overlook is, the Spirit of God is not something that you are born with. Man was created incomplete, missing that spiritual element that would make him complete. The Bible clearly lays out the way to receive the Spirit of God. Learn the step-by-step -step process for receiving the Spirit of God. Order your free copy of Why You Need the Holy Spirit. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org.